Welcome to Local Matter Sports. This is your host, Sam Brooks. i got a special guy in the studio today. I've known him for a long, long time. Been on my bullet list for a while now, Mike, but welcome to the show. Good to be here, Sam. Looking forward to this. I think I've had you on my list for probably about six months, but you travel a, a little bit with your job, so it's been kind of hard to you know, get you in here, but I yeah, finally between, got you. Between my traveling and your golfing, yeah, good call. it was almost impossible. Good call. Great to have you, Mike. Uh, really excited about this uh, interview here today. Been really trying to do a focus on um, academics uh, in sports and in, in athletics, if you will. And you're, you're a true testament to uh, the academic side. And, you know, we'll get into that as we, as we break it down a little bit. But this show's special because it's about the person. You know, if we have a coach on, it's not necessarily about their team, it's about the coach. And so that, that's why I signed up for this thing. Really excited to do it because we get to learn a lot about people uh, in the Upper Cumberland area. Today's going to be really exciting for me because we kind of grew up together. You, did. At, you at Monterey High School and me at Cooper High School. And mm-hmm. uh, we got to know each other through basketball. That's so right. we met each other through sports a, a long time ago. But I want to go back even further. You grew up in Monterey. And uh, I know for me, times in Cooper were different when I was a small child than they are right now for my children. So tell me what it was like to grow up in Monterey and a little bit about your family. You know, it's pretty special. Um, <clears throat> Monterey, in, in my mind, and perhaps it was that way at the time, and maybe it's been that way over the decades, but it was that perfect little white picket fence town. Uh, we were very uh, self-sustainable in many ways. We we really had our own community, and a big day for us back then was going to the big metropolis of Cookville uh, and and seeing McDonald's and, and the, the restaurants here, so... Uh, we we lived up on the mountain, and the community was about two thousand people strong, give or take. And uh, you knew everyone, so I knew all the athletes. I knew all the other students. My graduating class was a whopping fifty six people. <laughs> it was it was very special. It was a good place to raise a family, and and um, my, it turns out that that my family um, uh, separated when I was thirteen. And my mom moved to Cookville. In a couple of years, I had a pivotal decision to make, and that was, did I want to to leave Monterey and graduate, or go to Cooper High School, and or stay in Monterey and and graduate uh, from Monterey and live with, uh, live with my father? So, I did a kind of a hybrid, and that's how I, I really got to know people like you. I, I I decided, learned that I could take trades. So I was uh, an electronics student. In the morning, at Cookville High School, and uh, lived with my mom, and took the buses up to Monterey, and um, finished up my schooling there, and was able to keep all of my my sports letter uh, um, affiliations in in Monterey, and, and officially play for the Wildcats, whether it was basketball, baseball, or golf. Those are the three sports that I lettered in four years in a row. So <clears throat> it kind of gave me the best of both worlds. You know, I, during the summers I was down here in Cookville and hooping it up with you at uh, all the various oh, basketball courts and at Tech and and seeing uh, the bands come into Tech and all the summer camps going on at Tech and realize that the world was a little bit bigger than what I thought it was growing up in Monterey and and I was but I was still able to keep all of my hometown roots by by being somewhat of a uh, decorated I won't say star athlete but a decorated athlete uh, in Monterey, whether it was in basketball, golf, or, or baseball. Yeah, and I, you know, I take back, uh, we, we played a lot of ball, you know, together, whether it was uh, 
at Tech in the summer out at Northeast on the dump yeah. goals. And, you know, a good time to us when we were growing up at high school was, I especially remember ninth and 10th grade, you know, once we got to ride around with somebody, we mm-hmm. would show up over at Northeast at mm-hmm. night. You know, mm-hmm. there was enough light out there with the side of the building there that we could play dump That's right. So we'd be out on the strip driving around, which got boring pretty easily. Right. Next thing you know, we're out playing dunk ball in our jeans. That's right. I uh, remember those days or those nights. You know, I think kids today, and I won't go into this very much, but I do want to know your thought process. Kids today, uh, you know, we were riding bikes. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't inside. I wasn't – we didn't have video games. We didn't have mm-hmm. cell phones. We didn't have any of that. Um, and, you know – I would just get in trouble all the time because I'd get in too late. My mom would be worried about where I was. But we were out riding bikes, you know, playing stickball, cutball, you know, whatever we could do. And I think kids today, some kids today are missing that. They really do. Um, as you know, I've got a five-year-old son now, and, and I try to spend as much time with him outside as possible. And we just do crazy things, um, whether it's picking up rocks and finding worms and uh, perhaps every now and then setting leaves on fire. <laughs> I I do those things now with him because that's what I did when I was a young young child and was hiding. And now I'm I'm trying to teach him. The, there are fun things you can do. You just got to be careful and uh, let me know about it. <laughs> so I'm trying to teach him some <laughs> some good things. But I haven't I haven't yet uh, identified a bat for him that he can hit rocks with. That was one of the the big things back when I was a kid that oh, uh, you had to be able to have a bat that you could hit rocks with uh, because you didn't always have baseballs or someone to throw baseballs no. to you, cut right? Ball. So, Remember the cut balls we used to oh, make yeah. out of tape? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I introduced uh, Tucker uh, to indoor sock baseball uh, last last summer, and he wants to play that as much as he does T-ball right now. He, he loves batting with his hand. But, yeah, those, those kind of creative and um, ingenuity kind of things, I, I think kids are – are lacking right now because they can just turn on a screen, right? Whether it's a phone or iPad or TV, they turn on a screen and their, their mind is entertained and absorbed in minutes. Uh, and then they get lost in it for hours. And, uh, it, it's, it's good on one hand that they can learn a lot of different things. There's some healthy stuff out there that I think is good for kids to see and, and expedites their learning. But then it's, it's bad on the addictive side and, and obviously the rabbit holes that they can go down. We're talking to Mike McLeod, founder of the World Food Championships and CEO of the of the world, and also uh, a little thing he did in the past called MMA Creative, which is where it all started. Exactly um, right. Good to have you again today. But Mike, um, you talked a little bit about Tucker. Tucker, that's your son, five years old right now. Mm-hmm. So you, you've been able to understand, realize that he likes sports already. Absolutely. So as a as a parent of a five year old right now with being around other parents and, and seeing how they handle their children. What what do you want for Tucker as he grows on up in the world of sports, and not only sports, but in life in general? That's a great question. Um, I, I don't know if I've crystallized it into three or four items, but I, I do know that I want him to learn the value of uh, achievement. I want him to learn uh, the value of competition and I also want him to learn how to play fair, um, and I want him to be passionate about what he does. I think if if he learns those things and applies those things, uh, no matter what he sets his mind to, whether it's in business later on, whether it's in uh, academia, 
whether it's in theater, what, whatever he chooses to do with his life as a career, if, if he's got those four or five building blocks in him, I think it will serve him well. I know it served me well uh, to have athletics in my background uh, for a number of reasons. So I'm trying to take those um, those essence moments, those those true core pillars of sports and make sure that they're woven out through his daily walk right now. So you can imagine as someone who coached for 16 years in high school ball, and I've seen all types of parents, and, and I hope that I, I learn from that as time goes on. And I think every parent has very good intentions. I think sometimes maybe they didn't do as many things as they wanted to do when they had their chance, and they're trying to maybe sometimes without even knowing it, living through their kids. I don't see you being one of those type of parents. I I always tried, and we've talked about this with Will, who you support mm-hmm. uh, in his endeavors in the pro golf. Um, I never tried to be a helicopter parent because I saw it. Um, and so everything that Will did, he he had the motivation to do his own on his own. I would support him, and I would give him all the support he needs, but I did not direct him in any way to do something he didn't want to do. And I feel like you're going to be the same type of, of parent for your son. I'm going to try to be. Uh I watch him like a hawk whenever he's out and whenever we're uh, doing anything that's athletic or around my swimming pool, you know, he's, he's very capable uh, do, doing flips, dives, twists, you name it. <laughs> he, he, he has already achieved more than I ever dreamed I would. And when it comes to swimming pool antics, but um, I, I watch him to make sure that he's doing things in a, in a measured and um, how should I say it? I, I guess appropriate way. Mm-hmm. I want him to take risks. Mm-hmm. I know he's going to fail. I want him to fail. Of course, I want he will learn from failure, like I have. Um, but I'm not going to be the parent who is afraid he he's walking too close to the edge. Uh, I need him to know how to walk around the edge uh, and know when to to back away from it and and why. Uh, so. I spent a lot of time as a observant parent and maybe like a coach um, and occasionally will approach him and say, I want you to try it this way or do me a favor and do X instead of Y. Uh, same thing with his, you know, he's in T-ball now and he's got more natural uh, athleticism in him than I did <laughs> up until I was probably 12 uh, at half my age and I, I recognize that so for me it, it's about making sure uh, the surroundings are appropriate and that whatever mistakes he he makes that they're not going to be life-altering or catastrophic mistakes right because I want him, want him to make some and I'll try to fine-tune him occasionally but he's um, he, he's going to learn by experimentation and by trial and error and if if you don't realize that well let me back up athletes recognize that if you ever were involved in athletics you you know what it's like to listen to people telling you what to do all the time and how you kind of resent that occasionally and then eventually one day you do it your way and you find that that your way works but you've got to experiment you said something that i want to come back to here in just a second but uh Today, we're talking to Mike McLeod, CEO of the World Food Championship and former athlete 
at Monterey High School. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardy's. Shop local at Office Mart. Welcome back to Local Matter Sports. I have Mike McLeod in the house today. CEO World Food Championships. We're going to talk a little bit about that and, and also getting started with MMA Creative back in the day. Um, you touched on something that's that's very important to me in, in, uh, today in education and athletics is uh, we we talked a little bit about helicopter parents, and I've not seen a lot of them. Most of the parents I've dealt with have been really good, and I could tell you uh, great, you know, and bad, and you'd know them. Um, bad, not in a bad way, but just trying to help your kid and kind of not helping. Um, but you said something that stands out to me, and I think this is so important in the classroom, and, and it's also important in, in life and in, in sports especially, is learning from failure. How, how do you expect a child – to learn how to, you know, let's say they get a college scholarship and they go off on their own finally, and all of a sudden they're out there by themselves and they've not failed. You know, how do you expect, how do people expect them to be successful if they don't allow them to get down in the trenches and learn from failure? Well, they're not going to be. If they, if they haven't been allowed to experience some failure, uh, then they're going to fall flat on their face as soon as they get out of the nest. Uh, they don't know how to fly yet, and um, you know, I, I I can't tell you how many times uh, I have seen parents now that, especially now that I watch a lot of t-ball games. Oh my gosh! Um, talking too much, overreaching, um, second guessing coaches, calling their student or their child down. And I just feel – I actually feel sorry for the um, for the child, but I feel more sorry for that individual, uh, that parent, because they don't have a clue. Yeah. They really don't have a clue what they're doing to their son or their daughter. And, you know, I, I – you were able to play on scholarship, I believe, coming to Tech. And I was uh, – I had an opportunity to – to play some sports and extend it beyond high school, but I chose to go another route. And that other route took me to the University of Tennessee where I studied journalism. That's the first time I was completely away from mom and dad and brother and nuclear, a nucleus family, uh, other students that I had grown up with all my life. I didn't have boundaries. I didn't have um, the guardrails that I was used to. And thank goodness I'd had um, a lot of experience with failure and with tough coaches um, to prepare me for that moment. 
I went to, to UT where there were 25,000 other students uh, bigger than the city of Cookville and had to learn um, real quickly. I was no longer a big fish in a small pond. Right. I was a little fish in, a, in an ocean. And if I was going to survive, I had to um, pull up my bootstraps and I had to apply myself and show that I was passionate about what I was doing and that I was determined to get there and, and uh, achieve what I uh, set out to achieve. So that wouldn't have been possible, I don't think, uh, had I not had failures in sports, um, failures in life along the way, um, and then obviously have more then that helped me now as a business guy. So, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll share with you one quick failure that, that propelled me uh, phenomenally in my career, um, and it goes right to high school. I was such a good a- athlete and scholar in high school that I really didn't have to study. Sure. Just coasted through. And I'd had one or two classes in my four years of high school that uh, either I had a C or a, a couple of C's or something that pulled my GPA down. Well, <clears throat> my best friends on the night of graduation all had that gold honors tassel around their neck, and I did not. I missed it by one one-hundredth of a point, Sam. And if you look at any pictures from my graduation of Monterey High School, you will not see a happy guy. <laughs> I was angry. And it was right then and there that I decided through that failure, that will never happen to me again. If I'm going to do something, by George, I'm going to be great at it or the best I can be at it. I'm not going to let lack of effort put me in that position again. Um, and it it made me lay down golf clubs for four years mm-hmm. because I saw it as a distraction. It made me um, miss out on uh, party nights because I saw that as a distraction. And it made me study. And it made me focused. And I graduated uh, magna cum laude from UT with a journalism degree and came home and started a business mm-hmm. and applied myself there, which led to other things. But that that failure was a catalyst. And, um, you know, it, I, I still remember that night, and I still, I still look at my pictures of my graduation, and I'm like, I should have cracked a smile at least once or twice. <laughs> well, I, I agree, but, I mean, you're a passionate guy. And, and you – you know, that kind of slap you in the face mm-hmm. because here these here your friends are who you've done every bit of work that they have, but for some reason or another maybe came up a little bit short there because mm-hmm. you didn't do what you needed to do. But I, I think that's a point I'm trying to get across. And, and when we focus on um, academics in sports or in athletics, I think that's something that's very important because you play ball, you play baseball, you play golf, you play basketball. That's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And so you're probably thinking in your head, well, I'm doing this. You know, and I, I, I don't, you know, it's hard to do both and, you know, it's just tough and probably, you know, that's what you're telling yourself. That's what I told myself. I mean, my grades weren't nowhere near as good as yours and, and, you know, it, that's my fault. Um, so that's failure. So I knew when I went to Tennessee tech, I could not do that. Mm-hmm. I had to do a little better and by no means did I burn it up, but I did okay. I did good enough to, you know, I was, I was a good student. Mm-hmm. Um, but failure my point and we're getting across here and that i need parents to hear it because i see it mike i see it all the time you you, your kids have to fail you learn from failure people don't realize that you can't protect them 
all their life. They have to, and it's tough. It's tough when Tucker grows up and he's disappointed. You know, it's it's hard on a parent to be disappointed and know that you could have done something about it, but it doesn't help them. And right. I, I see that so much as an educator and a former coach uh, in just the kids that I've seen and dealt with that they need that experience to fail to, to be successful later on. And I think that's a point that, that you're trying to drive home. It's so important to, to really put them out there and let them survive on their own. You know, there's another key story, and I know we're probably running short on time here on this segment, but there's there's a, there's a key story of, of me being coaxed into giving a speech one time when I was a sophomore in college, mm. running for a political office of society professional journalism, and I bombed, totally bombed, and I almost won. I almost won the actual position. I was 16 short shy of out of 600 votes. But that failure at, from a guy like me who learns from those things and any person who learns from those things turned into a lifelong mission to give as many speeches as I could anywhere, anytime, anyhow, mm-hmm. as long as it was about a topic I really cared about and a passion that I had. So there's a whole nother side to this equation of, of failure, and that is uh, the de- determination to succeed, to to improve from that failure and to learn from that failure and apply that to your efforts going forward so that you don't repeat that failure again, um, which has been a, a lifelong silver thread for me. That's awesome. Two, two good stories there and exactly what I wanted to really touch on and focus on in this segment. And, you know, focusing on how important academics are. This is a, this is a sports show about people, <laughs> but it, it, we also want to, you know, let people learn from others' mistakes and what other people know and their knowledge. And mm-hmm. we definitely try and do that on this show. We're going to take a quick break. We got Mike McLeod from MMA and the World Food Championships and, of course, former athlete at Monterey High School. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. This is Local Matter Sports with your host, Sam Brooks. I got Mike McLeod here in the hot seat today. We're going to get into talking a little bit about World Food Championships. So interesting to follow you and uh, MMA Creative, how you got your start. And we, we kind of touched uh, bases again a little bit when you were starting out with MMA and I was coaching golf at Cooper High School. Mm-hmm. I wanted to mention that today. and we'll, we'll touch on that again. But first, I want to go back to high school real quick and, and finish that segment up, Mike. But uh, I always give people opportunity to talk about uh, who made influential uh was very influential in their life and helped them make influential decisions along the way. And it usually always goes back to teachers and coaches uh, in school. So tell me a little bit about who made a difference in your life. Sam, that list is um, a community uh, mile long. And uh, I, I was so fortunate throughout my elementary years and junior high and then high school years to have teachers that really cared uh, about me and, and all their other students, and especially uh, students who who had any kind of talent or drive or passion about what they were doing, and I I, I can name four or five for you. Um, uh, obviously, Peggy Fergopoulos was uh, very important and critical uh, to to my development and and my career. Um, Great teacher, uh, absolutely, and and you know her. She continues, I think, to to take students overseas and and show them parts of the world that most kids that age don't know exist they just read about them in textbooks you know i think she's she's a wonderful human being and great for for the for the entire profession another would be lowell devon our librarian um, at monterey high school he also was the advisor on the catamount which was our local community newspaper and i i think i'm the only student that spent six years 
writing for that and ultimately become the editor of it and bucked horns with politicians uh, <laughs> because we served as a community newspaper as well. Uh, Harold Sisson didn't cover that much in Monterey back in those days. And uh, that's how I got a scholarship to go study journalism at UT from the Tennessean. Pokey Looper, Charles Looper, who was a golf oh, coach man, yeah. uh, for us, he he had as much uh, influence positive or negative, on my golf swing as anybody <laughs> uh, in my life. He tried to fix my baseball swing and finally gave up on it, I think. But another individual was uh, out in Roark. He was my first real basketball oh, yeah. coach, 6'8", played attack. We thought he was a giant. He was great with basketball, but also great with life, too. He's the first teacher who ever sat in front of me or stood in front of me and said through some exercises, he, he – demonstrated how we every person in that room in Monterey High School could become a millionaire. And I thought, my goodness, mm-hmm. that's possible? And then he, he just walked us through it, and I'll never forget that. And uh, it stuck with me, and he was right. Um, and another would be um, uh, Skip Overstreet. You know, he was my high school basketball teacher. I probably never had more uh, fights with anyone uh, then skip Overstreet, and I, I hate to say he's passed now. And yeah, but he was a an interesting fella, and I felt like I had a lot in common with him on personal levels. And but uh, he was good to me. He uh, he was tough on me, um, but he he cared. Uh, he knew that I had a future, and he wanted to do everything he could to have an impact on it. So those are the individuals that that had the most. Um, influence on my life going through uh, high school. And there's a lot more, like I said, that community, everybody knows everyone. And I've probably left some people off I shouldn't have. But those those individuals definitely deserve any credit for any success that I've had. So we're going we're gonna to jump forward. Uh, we've already chronicled basically the blueprint, you know, that sets you up to motivate you in college to be the best that you could be. And from that point on, um, from those small failures that you had in high school, you knew what you wanted to do. Six years, you know, writing on the, the staff of the paper there is incredible. And a scholarship very deserved um, for doing. I don't know anybody else that's, that I know that's done that. And so got you to a great place like the University of Tennessee at a great time and uh, gave you the opportunity. You talked a little bit about political, and that's been something that you really focused on and, and – uh, really spend some time and thought process uh, on what's going on politically um, nowadays. But sports was basically the framework and, and the people that affected you and, and uh, uh, mentored you at that time really uh, bled into you and created, a, you, you know, the opportunity for you to become the person that you want to be. And what that meant was graduating from UT and starting a business. And the business that you started, a very successful business called MMA Creative. Tell me how that came up and how you got into that. So I came back and started a magazine in Cookville, Cookville's Finest. Um, I had studied that in college, had gone to New York City, spent some time with a publishing firm and realized they're not doing anything that I don't know how to do or think that I you know, know how to do. So I came back to Cookville uh, started a magazine and it turned into an ad agency because people thought, well, if you can write an article, that's good. You can write an ad. Mm-hmm. And then I learned, well, I have to sell advertising to make this work. So sure enough, I decided that, yeah, I can build ads and that turned into an agency. And then that agency, as we grew and learned more about PR and the internet coming along and, um, 
all these ways to communicate, we became a communications firm, and I started expanding. I was very competitive. I wanted to be the biggest, fastest-growing agency, uh, not only in the Upper Cumberland but in the state of Tennessee. Won that award a couple of times uh, from the Nashville Business Journal and uh, basically acquired a couple of other local agencies and brought their leaders in and said, we're going to make this bigger, better, bolder. Let's keep going. We did some national projects that took off. Uh, we made a good amount of money on a couple of concepts that I had. And then Tony Stone walked into my office one day and says, Mike, you ever thought about bar- marketing barbecue? And I said, no, but I sure as heck love eating it. Jumped on a plane, went to Kansas City, found out they were turning 30 as a entity, the Kansas City Barbecue Society, which he cooked for all the time, mm-hmm. that they wanted an agency and they wanted to get serious. I said, well, you've met your guy. I, not, not only will I get serious around you, I'll make you a promise. I'll make you a deal you cannot refuse. There were agencies from New York, L.A., Kansas City, and Atlanta all had already made a pitch, and then they met me from Cookville, Tennessee. I basically basically said to them, I'm going to write you a contract that basically says you uh, will not pay me a penny unless I earn you two. So we're in this together. <laughs> the long and short of it had a lot of details, but sure. long and short of it, I won that contract. It was a four-year agreement. It was renewed twice. They tried to buy me out of it at one point because it was going so well and I was making so much money from it. They thought, he's making too much money. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to remind them, you're making more money than I am. Twice as much. And, and I created four new revenue streams for you mm-hmm. that you didn't know existed. So that's why we're all doing pretty well. Let's sing Kumbaya and let's enjoy right. this, right? right? Long story uh, short after that was I learned so much about competition food that I thought there was something missing. And I created... I set out to create the Super Bowl of food, Mm -hmm. and we called it the World Food Championships. Today, uh, it has 12 categories of food, barbecue being an anchor, but burger, dessert, seafood, sandwich, rice, noodle, vegetarian, live fire, steak, you name it. We we hold competitions, and and it was kind of funny because we, we knew there was a place for it. There was a space to fill. Teams came out of the woodwork, started competing, but we spent a good year, Sam, trying to figure out what that, what that, game look like how do you make this game fair how do what rules do you need what judging procedures what's out of bounds what are you trying to achieve how do you score it we built that from scratch and i would not have been able to do that without a passion for the industry uh, and without a sporting background to to be someone who knew what competition was all about and that you have to have a level playing field so that was how World Food Championships came to exist about 15 years into my career. I'm now 15 years into that part of mm-hmm. the career, and I just partnered with the largest sporting endeavor agency firm in the world called IMG. 1960, IMG was formed by Mark McCormick with Arnold Palmer. A couple of good names there, yeah. Mike, that we, you know, that Not game, bad company. We like that game a lot. <laughs> A um, couple of different points along the way. IMG Stage is one of the uh, first tennis events, but when you talk about IMG, it was really the very beginning of sports marketing. It was. Previous of IMG, sports marketing really didn't exist. Marketing did in business, but not sports marketing. 
So that was the beginning. And you go all the way up to, uh, you know, some of the phenomenal things. I'm, I'm looking at the, the uh, over the years for IMG and just uh, the acquisitions they made. Uh, uh, Fortune 25, you know, j- just are really embedded in the fabric of sports in general especially mm-hmm. in the United States, but now worldwide. Mm-hmm. And to be partnered with somebody like that, and, and it, that just happened recently. Just this year, June 21st, to be so, exact. So that, that's going to be something that... Uh, that yeah, it, it's going to be the next sonic boom yeah. for food sport, is what I've referred to this as. That's the, the terminology we came out with in 2012, and we've been building on it ever since, and it got their attention. Um, two things that I didn't realize uh, that, I did, that I needed to have when, when I started this, one was capital, more of it, <laughs> sure. and two, uh, a league. We had to build a league. And um, so we're now backfilling it, and we're going to do it internationally with IMG. Wow. They've got both capital. They've got 30 offices in um, international locations, and they've got um, – they represent the best athletes and the best sporting events that, that exist, and they have a food vertical, and we're going to fill that food vertical with food sport fun and activity. Well, that's going to be so cool and interesting to talk about as we go into part two with Mike McLeod on the show. We just really scratched the surface, Mike. It may even turn into part three. <laughs> but uh, that, that's, it's huge, and, and I love the, the, what we can learn from this, you know, for the, for the young people, the young student athletes, because you're a former student athlete. And when you do it, they see they can do it. Mm-hmm. And so that's important to me um, for this show. So thank you for taking the time out of your day. My we'll pleasure, have you back buddy. real soon, man, and we'll get uh, dive into a little bit more of this. But thanks, Mike McLeod, for joining us today, World Food Championship CEO and MMA Creative President, uh, owner and everything. Thanks, Sam. I enjoyed it. Thank you all for joining us today on Local Matter Sports, and we'll see you next time.